Welcome to Money Tips by Charles Kelly, author of Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. Charles spent over 25 years in financial services, working for banks, insurance companies, and as a qualified independent financial advisor running his practice before setting up his speaking, consultancy, and property business. Money Tips will help you save, make, and accumulate more money, whether you are a business owner, entrepreneur, employee, or still searching for your vocation. Hi, this is Charles Kelly, Money Tips. Uh, today I have a guest with me who is a, a mortgage broker. His name is Mitesh. The company is called Our Mortgage Broker. Good morning, Mitesh. Morning, Charles. Morning. So today we're going to give you some updates on what's going on in the mortgage market and also talk about some things that you, you may not have heard about uh, before. You, you may be unaware that you can get a mortgage if you've got adverse credit and you can even possibly get a mortgage if you're property has cladding on it. So, Mitchell, can, can we start with the interest rates? Where, where do you feel uh, they are going at the moment? How is it affecting the mortgage interest rates as, a, as opposed to the, the base rates? Sure. So I think what I have noticed this year especially is that in the past, there used to be a correlation between the Bank of England base rate and the actual interest rates set by the lenders. Yeah. What yeah. I have noticed over six months especially is that there isn't a direct correlation uh, obviously, the tracker rate will increase immediately, but the lenders aren't really increasing the fixed rates as fast as they would. And a class example is that I had an inquiry this morning um, from a very close connection of mine um, and for their daughter who's looking to remortgage uh, their buy-to-let property. It's a very low loan-to-value uh, mortgage, and they asked me for the current fixed rate, so the best two-year fixed rate around. And surprising enough, a lender recently, in the last couple of days, I think, uh, refreshed the rates, and the cheapest rate I could find was three point seven four. So seven four. Yeah. Really? So now, if you can imagine where we are right now with the Bank of England base rate, that's a bit of a shock to the system because you're thinking that doesn't make any sense. If it's if it's at four and a half percent, the Bank of England base rate, how can I possibly get a rate below below four percent now, especially as a buy to let? Because in the past the residential rates were always cheap, cheaper than the buy to let rate. So yeah, um, it, they, it, there's a, such a huge turnaround and a shift in the way the rates are being priced now, um, based on um, the type of lender you go with. The more special lenders tend to have lots and lots of choice with uh, lower rates and higher fees. So you could have you know a, a mortgage rate starting at let's say. Uh, say 4.25% and then they'll charge you, let's say 5% arrangement fee, and then you will have increments of, you know, quarter percent, half percent, all the way from 5% arrangement fees all the way to a flat fee structure of, let's say, 999. So you can imagine it could be a 5% product fee, a 4% product fee, the rate, 3%, 2%, 1%. So we're constantly bombarded with lots of these different types of rate uh, pricing structures that lenders are now coming up with. Um, and the okay, main can I just is, clarify that then? Sure. Well, the base rate at the moment is four and a half, right? Yeah. That's right. But they're they're offering a fixed rate of three point seven four. Right. But I'm assuming they're making that extra up with a bigger fee. Yes, three percent. And three percent fee, yeah. which is not that bad. But I, I guess it's quite high on a big mortgage. But right. on the other hand, this this also helps with the affordability, I believe, doesn't it? That's yeah. exactly the reason why, um, because it allows the client to 
have more affordable monthly payments, and then the product fees can be added to the loan. So that's obviously uh, a big advantage. As a rule of thumb, every broker you speak to would say to you that in the buy-to-let world, if you take a five-year product, there's a very good chance that you, you'll probably get a, a higher lend compared to a, you know getting a two-year product. But then again, it, it, it differs from um, on a case-by-case basis. If you've got a much higher rent, if your property is outside London, then you could get away with a two-year fixed-rate product like this at 3.74, which my my initial so the client that I had you know um, this morning was eligible for. So that just you know gives you an idea that uh, because of the low loan to value, a low loan size, so obviously you know the rent's not going to drop because your mortgage is coming down because they they keep going up and up um, year on year. So uh, the lower the loan size, the lower loan to value may work in your favor. Um, and that was a buy-to-let rate. By telegraph, yeah, I was, I was quite surprised that it was actually at that low um, because at some point in March, April this year, I know the residential market was in that region of 3.89, 3.99, and I could see all that sort of rates, um, you know, the market. And I was quite excited by it, and then suddenly we're now in May, and then it's gone all over four percent. So, okay, it gives you an idea that obviously there isn't really a correlation again, between the two markets uh, as well. So um, I think the main thing would be that um, how that lender is actually funded in terms of, you know, who's who's behind them, you know, and, and the funders, how what arrangements they have, and accordingly, you know, they, they'll price uh, their products. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the high street banks will get their money from depositors who are earning <clears throat> still, I, I've, I looked at an account the other day and it's paying me 0.2%. I've only got a small amount in this. I'm not going to worry about it, but it's just, it's crazy. That was Santander. Um, so they get their money at 0.2% and they're lending it out at 4%, quite a big margin. It's interesting that you mentioned about savings rates because I've been seeing posts over the last two days where, you know, certain building sites are offering rates as high as 5% on, on taking out bonds, and and, and yeah. uh, you know the products, so it's it's quite interesting that yeah, pick up a savings account and yeah. offer the five percent interest rates now. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, so I think the answer is to talk to your broker but to explain well how yeah. can you get a rate less than the base rate? What's going on here? And why are they charging a big fee? Yeah. Well, sometimes they're charging a big fee to give you a lower rate to make the affordability better, so you can borrow more. Uh, because a lot of buy to let landlords might be worried that when they come to fix the new rate that it won't qualify because the rent hasn't gone up, but the rates have gone up. So this is the, the, the lender has been innovative and coming up with innovative ideas and products, right? I like that word innovative. That's exactly what they've done over the last yeah. uh, six to nine months is that's that they've looked at the market, looked at what's happening and one or two have started and then the rest have just followed. Okay, great. Um, that, so where do you think interest rates are going? Because I know inflation has come down yes. in the standard <laughs> yesterday. That's Inflation right. Inflation come down below ten percent, but yeah, you're saying it's not enough. And but do you no, think so, raise rates again? And yeah, it's an interesting one because what I do feel is that you have to then look around the world and see what else is happening in other markets. So right. you may have um, seen the news about Germany. Yeah, uh, yeah. In recession. recession. So you need to sort of sort of maybe take a look at that closely, and then what's happening in in the US. And so there's mixed feelings because, you know, literally a week or so ago, there was kind of the um, uh, assumption or kind of 
the feeling for the market that look, I think four and a half percent and maybe another quarter percent or so should yes, be for yeah. now, and then we should then see a downward trend. And then now people are saying, look, uh, rates could potentially go up in the short term and then wait another six months before they start really going down because the market seems to make adjustments because what's happening in the overseas markets. Um, it's a very tricky one. Um, literally on a day-to-day -day basis, we see changes in rates. Um, and so because it's so unstable, uh, and, I, and I mentioned the word unstable from perspective that the rate change is so quick uh, and so often in terms of within the space of a day or two compared to on a, let's say, a monthly basis, it is very difficult to try and say what's going to happen on a month-by-month -month basis on interest rates. It's, you know, people can speculate, the market speculate what's happening, or, or they'll say, we think this is what's going to happen in the next six months. And I think a six-month period is a good way of sort of getting an idea. Everybody feels right now, you'll see a bit of a roller coaster ride for the next three or four months, and then to the back end of the year, we should see things flattening down, you know, settling. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully, because of the way the, the inflation is, you know, rates should then, you know, go down. And maybe this time next year, we should hopefully see maybe a 1% drop in what the rates are now. And that's kind of what, you know, uh, people would speculate in the market uh, in terms of way yeah. things are. But again, it's a speculation. Anything else goes wrong in the next six months, yeah. who knows how, how 2023 is going to turn out. Anything can happen. Um, yeah. could, could I just yeah. talk about the um, the type of things that a broker does? Because sure. you know, obviously, everyone can look on money supermarkets, see the see these headline rates, but you've got to yeah. delve into them. I think where a mortgage broker comes into its own, it's, it's just explain more. Well, yeah, that that's that, but this doesn't include that, or that doesn't include yeah. that. This is only for people with a forty percent deposit. So, right. I think a broker can really help people. You know, find their way through the the the, the maze of mortgage products out there because there's there's thousands. It, it is so we, we would have systems in place to be able to source the right type of products for the client. But I think more importantly, um, if a broker conducts a thorough fact find with the client and understands everything about them, the client in terms of the income outgoings, and also at the same time about um, the future plans, and then more importantly then about the security. So. Is it a high-rise building? Is it a, a low lease? Is there issues around cladding, for example? Is that being looked at? If it's a flat, um, any other issues? Is it a standard construction? Uh, is it an area where there's a, a, a risk of flooding? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm taking this to the extreme, but but these are common things that you find on a valuation report. And so if you think yeah. about logically, if a valuation report comes with any of these negative comments, there's a very good chance the lender would decline the case. So maybe I'm going a bit into too much detail, but in reality, it's not bad asking those questions because you know you could overlook areas like ex-local authority flats. Not all lenders will do that. So you'd, yeah. you want to ask those right type of questions. You know, we prepare a, a questionnaire for clients to to fill in just to make sure we've got the basics, and then we ask a few more questions. And also at the time of the application, some of these questions are covered. But then from experience, I've been around for 20 years, you know, so doing the right. work. So you pick up certain areas where things go wrong in certain transactions. So like solar panels is a good example. So you you right. cover bits off with the clients early on in the meeting so that you're not wasting your time when you're doing your research. Because ultimately what it boils down yeah. to is that you go away, find the right type of product for the client and then present that solution 
to the client uh, based on their needs. And then the client will decide whether they, they like it or not, or whether they go for the cheapest option, um, pay the high fee, or they go for a slightly higher rate with a low fee because maybe that lend is more suitable. Um, so it, is, it isn't that clear cut about just typing in, you know, yeah. uh, search engine on what are the best rates and then just applying for a mortgage. Um, it's a bit yeah. more so you mentioned solar panels there. I mean, what would be the problem with the solar panel? Because a lot of people are getting solar panels done now. Yeah. So it's about the yeah. So about the contract. So how how what the contract is in regards mm -hmm. to how when the solar panels were were fitted. Um, so lenders want to understand what is there like a lease agreement in place okay. for those. Uh, so there's quite a few um, areas like that, and some lenders uh, probably may not lend because of solar panels, or they'll say we'd like to see. Uh, the contract up front, or we don't. We want to know who's fitted them, um, and and there are certain areas like that that I know that certain lenders would want to know. And sometimes these areas then get picked up post valuation, which is not really a good time to start. Um, yeah, of course. Talking about yeah. you know the, the solar panels at that point because you've spent so much time with the client and an application is already submitted. So uh, I mean, I, I'm as I'm going to extreme scenarios, but these are things that sometimes get overlooked. Well, it does come up, and I know, like like you said about cladding, a lot of blocks of flats. I mean, looks at a flat. I looked at a flat the other day, and you'd look at it. Yeah. It was brick, brick, but there was this but, bit around the windows that had this white kind of plastic type cladding that was just surrounding right. the windows. And because of that, there's a problem on that whole block. So that's I'm right. Getting lots of flats that you know maybe going to auction. This was actually in an auction, but in an auction, people are generally cash buyers and. Yes. You know, then maybe later on they find out, well, there's a problem. So yeah. you must have come across that. But there are ways around it, I believe. There are ways around it. So there's there are, there are a few lenders that will take a, a common sense approach. Okay. What is the common sense approach? What they're trying to understand is that if uh, the developer or the management company is happy to answer a few questions on a okay. head of paper uh, for the lender and it's Basically, yes, no, yeah. uh, you know, question. There's three or four that gets asked generally, and if that gets satisfied, then the lender might be happy to lend. I actually had a very interesting case back in the last year for a very close friend. He just completed uh, because he moved from the from buying a flat because of all these issues of cladding to oh. um, a house then later on because he could afford a house. So he realized that there's a big mistake going down this route. I should just go for a house. It's you know, it it's. Is a good investment long term, all all, yeah, all yeah. value. So the, the the reason why that case sticks to my mind is because I spent nearly three weeks going back and forth uh, with different um, people involved in the transaction. So that's the seller's solicitor, the council involved where the client was looking to buy, uh, the lender, the underwriter, and the valuer. Lots of uh, yeah, so a lot of work for me. What I did actually find out in the end was that the lender turned around and said, in all honesty, if an EWS1 form, which is kind of what the normal standard requirement is, a, a form that's available with the management. What company, is that? Just for people to know, what is an EWS so, form? So an EWS form is like a summary form that basically tells you that after all the inspections are done in, in the building, whether that particular building has cladding, or not, or if it's type of cladding, then they have a grade for cladding. So it doesn't require remedi re remedial work 
Um, so, and there'll be codings like B1, B2, A1, A2. Okay. So it's like a, a one page form and it's then signed off. And that's a document generally that the lender would need. Most lenders mm -hmm. don't need that. It just um, avoids unnecessary questions back and forth with lawyers. Right. Okay. So right. in this scenario, uh, what happened was that the lender was very relaxed. They said, look, if you can't get this EWS1 form for us, not an issue. Uh, and I was surprised, actually. I thought maybe we'll just insist because that's what the email stated. That's what, what we need. They actually came back and said, look, we, we understand the situation you're in. Um, and by the sounds of it, you know, there may be planning, but they may not be. But the values have actually pointed out that there's potential cladding in near the staircase area. So what happened in the end was that they, they said to me, there are these areas within the criteria that state that if this particular type of material is being used, then we would have a problem. But if you can confirm to us that these, these materials, specific materials, are not in the building, we are more than happy to approve the mortgage. Now, that was an eye-opener for me. Uh, and so we just needed that, unfortunately, the management company couldn't draft the letter for us or anybody else for that matter into the developer because they had a list of professionals that could draft the letter for the lender. Uh, and so we really tried very hard for the client, but eventually uh, that didn't happen. What was really funny was uh, two months into the transaction, the seller solicitor came back and said, based on the discussion, we've looked at this in more detail and it looks like uh, an EWS1 form would be required uh, and something would need to get done about it. So obviously that means that it would have taken another six months before everything sort of became very official. Uh, but they said, look, we can't wait for the buyer to wait until that official process is completed before we sell the flat. And I said to my client, well, that's your call because then, you know, it's going to be hard for any lender to try and understand what that your real issue is because no one right, really right. all the issues. So you have to then, you know, step back and then, either managed to get a house. But that's a classic example. This is within the last six months. Uh, and so, it's, you know, something else recent, current, and I can tell you from experience now that, you know, there are lenders that will take a view on things like that. Um, okay. You know, they, they, there's there's areas like bridging finance that we do as well, where certain lenders will, again, take a common sense approach. They have systems in place, so they'll look at areas like any high street lenders have lent in the last three, four years on that property. Uh, look at the website uh, of the uh, property management company. They'll you know, need a bit of a chat uh, with somebody in charge there, and maybe a letter confirming one or two things. So there are things like that that, that, that do take place. Um, it is down to the lender's discretion. Do they like the security? Do they want to lend against something like that? Because at the end of the day, they, they're going... Um, you know, they, they're basically uh, using the discretion on, on that particular transaction. So uh, I, I thought I'd just share that because obviously it's not yeah, very common knowledge in the market that these, these things happen. That's interesting that there is a way around it. For people who don't understand, cladding is this this cladding that goes on, on, on buildings that caused the Grenfell Tower fire and people died in that. So since then, a lot of people are in flats that have been built in the last few years and they can't sell them, they, they're, they're unmortgageable, and it's caused major problems. The government have tried to step in, but it's right. still up in the air in many cases. But this is where you need a good broker to see if they can do something about it. Yeah. And you also mentioned the management company. Yes. This is why, personally, flats can be difficult for, for me to buy because you get 
very difficult management companies. They want to talk to you. They want to charge you £300 just to do anything, yeah. even a letter or something. Right. And then you've got management charges. Uh, if you're buying a flat, do look at the management charges because generally the, the, the owner's paying for that. And if you're, if you're renting it out, and you know, you're getting 1500 a month rent, but the management charge is 300 a month. You're not really getting 1500 a month, you know. So, you always look at that with, with blocks of flats. Yeah, that's very yeah. true. I mean, sometimes you find service charges are quite high <clears throat> as well, depending on the type of block or if, if work's been carried out, yeah. there may be uh, the service charge um, on, on a yearly year, on a year to year basis may, may have an increment. So, again, yeah. doesn't help. Um, I've, yeah. I've got a close friend just down the road from where I live in northwest London. Uh, is that the same issue over the last five, seven years? Um, same sort of issues around service charges going up and up and up every year. Yeah. Um, you know. it, it's difficult. All the flats I've ever bought in the past, I've always had trouble with management companies, service charges. They've always been a, a headache. Yeah. And the government have, have, have also promised to reform the leasehold act, but that hasn't happened. They're talking about the Renters Reform Act, which affects landlords and tenants, but they're not doing anything about the leasehold act. That's right. Um, that, what about if someone's got a bit of adverse credit? They've missed payments, they've got yeah. county court judgment or a default. Yeah. Can you help them? Yeah, I can. I mean, we actually got very good lenders out there and we've got very good points of contacts um, with, the, with, the, with the lenders that we work with. There's at least five or six I can think of where what they would advise us to do is get the actual credit file for the client. So there's a website called checkmyfile.com. So we, we tend to get that report purely on the basis that you can see your credit data that's held with Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. These are generally the three um, credit agents, uh, credit uh, the credit companies that the credit lenders, credit yeah. the lenders will, will look at in the background for data. Now, you don't want to be naughty and say, well, oh, this particular um County, uh, not the county court, but let's say a mispayment doesn't appear on experience, but it appears on Equifax, but we'll get away with it. You know, we kind of don't work like that because you'll get caught, caught out at some point in the act. So what you need to do is get that report. What we do is we'll send it to the lender and we obviously got points of contact. So we'll send it all to all five lenders, six lenders that we have. We'll do a summary in terms of why those debts are there, what happened. Uh, and then they'll come back to us generally within 24, 48 hours maximum. And they'll say, look, uh, based on the information we've got on hand, in principle, mm -hmm. we can let it be applied. In reality, sometimes it's it's that simple. Um, I, I've noticed if you're if you've conducted a good fact find, as I mentioned earlier, you understand the client scenario. So what's happened in the past, uh, the reasons behind uh, the issues I've had in the report, um, are they resolved? Are they going to get resolved? Uh, what are the, the challenges they're facing, and then their current present situation right now. And if that's addressed in you know three or four bullet points with, with, with the lenders, then generally they make a decision very, very quickly. Um, there are lenders out there that just do manual under, underwriting. So th this is a question I get asked. Mm -hmm. Is my credit score important? <clears throat> you don't have to worry about that credit score that you see. You just have to check and see whether your credit file is looking okay. But even if it's got adverse credit, you, you don't have too much to worry about because we've got lenders in the market that, that, that can cater for that. Okay. I believe you've got specialist lenders as well that are not like the high street banks. They raise their money in different ways through private funding. So you've got all sorts of lenders. Uh, yeah. I, I went to a, a <clears throat> one of your, your seminars and, and yes. you said also there that you can help foreign nationals who want to buy properties in the UK, which amazed me that they could 
you could get mortgages for people who might say be yeah. from Malaysia or from Hong Kong. They want to buy a couple of properties here, buy salets, and you can get mortgages for them. That's right. So I'm, I'm in the middle of this year doing a couple of transactions for a client <clears throat> in Hong Kong. Uh, I did a transaction for somebody in Singapore last year as well. Um, those transactions may take slightly longer because of the information may be required by the lender. But in reality, uh, they, they, you know, a foreign national living in another country hasn't got a property in the UK, not, doesn't even have a bank account in the UK, can still apply for a mortgage. Uh, we've got special lenders that could lend anything up to 75% of the value of the property. So um, in the past, I know there's a lot of fear in terms of trying to get mortgages if you're living abroad, but you know the market's changed. You've got special lenders in the market that can actually do that. Okay, so a foreign national can potentially get a mortgage of up to 75% loan to value, yeah. even though they've never stepped in the country, got no bank account or history here. Yeah. They can buy a property and get 75% loan to value. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> that's great. Well, if you're interested in that, if you're watching this from abroad or you want to buy some properties in the UK, do have a look at that. Um, sure. What about older borrowers? What about, because <clears throat> there was a thing about a few years ago, yeah. borrowers reaching a certain age, right. maybe they haven't paid off their mortgage yet, they need to... You know, I've got a client, she, she's on an interest-only mortgage. Right. For some reason, she, I don't know why she put an interest-only for a residential. Yeah. And she's reaching the end of that. She's in her late 50s. Can you help those sort of people? We can. So we've got specialist lenders out there. Um, a lot of the smaller billing sites that actually offer specialist products okay. for clients who are above the age of 50, 55 plus. In reality, um, your normal lenders... Uh, will apply a general rule of thumb that if you are applying for a mortgage within 10 years of your normal retirement age, then they will work on the affordability calculation based like a normal mortgage. But if it's sort of not within the 10 years, then what they will try and do is say, do you have a private pension pot? Are you expecting pension income, then we can try and work things out manually and see beyond that certain age of 65, 67, what income you'd get. So they would have to then discard what you're earning. And then it gets a bit more complicated and generally nine out of 10 times the case is unaffordable. So there are other products in the market uh, for clients. So there are some products in the market for clients who are looking to just switch the mortgage across. Right. Not borrow any more money. And there are lenders where they're more sort of flexible in the way they look at those type of mortgages. So that's purely remortgaging pound to pound from one lender to another. Uh, this is for older borrowers. And they'll be more than happy when to look at six times lending or they've got a model in place that they can, you know, they'll be able to help those clients. If you are then looking lesser to raise cash from a property or doing anything else, then we have lenders in the market where they look at different types of products that are available. Okay. So I'm going to too much detail on the individual ones, but just to get a feel, and then I guess your uh, your viewers can then also do some research themselves. So there's something called a retirement interest only option. There's something all called late later life lending, and then there's equity release. Okay. Now, what happens is when we get a client who who is an older borrower we'd have to explore with them to understand which option would suit them best. So basically either a traditional route that works with a, a normal lender that you place a case with, or do we then go down this route of exploring the other three options, 
retirement interest only option, later life lending, or is it going to be an equity release? So okay. uh, we'd have to analyze that. Sometimes lenders will guide us and tell us, look, you can start with one option because of the need right now. This is what you told us. And then in the next 10 years, they can then switch from this to this product uh, and then eventually have a review. And then if equity release is the answer after 10 years, then maybe after 10 years is what, you know, they can go down the equity release um, option because maybe at that point it'll be more relevant. Or if it's affordable based on the pension income uh, or and other investment income they have on the tax return and it's looking pretty good, we could lend up for let's say four and a half times their income and they're good to go and you know they can have a mortgage of maybe 95 years of age. So right. um, or, or a term that's still on paper, but but you know it's there until they've got a, a change in the circumstances. Uh, so let's yeah. say they had to move to a nursing home. Uh, so I don't want to go into too much detail. This gives you a flavor of kind of the, the type of products that are available there for older borrowers. And this is something that's happened, I would say quite recently, but the last three, four years at least, there's more choice available for older borrowers. Yeah, because in the past, I think there was only equity release, which is basically for people say in their 70s, 80s, 90s, you want to, you see them on TV, you know, I bought a car with my with my house. They don't really explain to them. It's actually a mortgage they're taking on. They call it equity release sounds much nicer than borrowing money and getting a mortgage. But it's basically a, a, a mortgage, a self-certification kind of mortgage. But the interest rolls up and it rolls up at five and six percent. So it can eat into the equity quite a bit. But it does enable to people to get money out of their property to give to their children and grandchildren to, to buy property and also reduces the value of their estate. Yeah, so basically in that scenario, what's really happening, what you're saying, is that they, they aren't actually making any monthly payments towards the yeah. money they borrowed. So the retirement interest only option, for example, as, as it states, retirement interest only, which means it's an interest only product. So depending on whether it's affordable, you could potentially qualify for that product. Uh, and it's worth exploring because it should be cheaper. compared to get better rates, yeah. Yeah, better rates. And but you need income for that. Exactly. Yeah. So you'd have to explore it. What we would say is that, um, like, like let's say with bridging finance, bridging finance is generally going to be more expensive. We would always say to clients, look, if we can find a route where you can avoid bridging finance, we would always explore those routes. Uh, so we do a first charge mortgage or even a second charge mortgage. Again, I don't want to make things complicated, but if those areas don't work and if bridging finance is a solution because of whatever reason and you need it you know, on a short-term basis, then we would explore uh, bridging finance. So let's say the property is not habitable, you know, a, a lender cannot lend on that property, then you you go down those um, short-term finance routes. Um, in the same way, with all the borrowers, we'd have to take a view on it. Obviously, uh, we'd have to take more greater care as an older borrower to make sure you spend more time. Maybe you invite a family member to be present as well uh, and make sure they might be, need to take independent legal advice from a solicitor just to make sure that whatever options they're taking is the right one for them. Okay, great. So that's that's great. I think that we've covered quite a lot there, but thanks for that. And I, we'll put your contact details up. I think you, LinkedIn is the best way to contact you, but we'll we'll put that up on the on the notes uh, for people who want to contact Mitesh. But I think you know you've got twenty years experience in the market, so you, you you've seen it all. You've seen all the low and high rates come and go, like I have. So you've got a lot of experience in, in and you, you also give good advice to people rather than just saying, well, here's a product. So I would say if, if you want to get a good mortgage that's right for you, talk to a broker because it, it, they can look at the whole of the market rather than just looking at one rate on, you know, on, on a website and right. going down that rabbit hole. So great. I, I think anything else you wanted to add 
Um, I just wanted to say, you must you mentioned about my event, which was held at the Holiday Inn in Watford. So I've recently um, acquired a service office at the Regis Building in um, Croxley Park in Watford. So okay, I'm right. looking to connect with um, clients more face to face. And I think there's more for demand now uh, with all the COVID issues out of the way. Yeah. So um, when we've also got um, an office now in um, our main office, basically, is, is in Mayfair. So if people want to visit uh, around the city area, I'm only 20 minutes away. Uh, I live in North East London and Watford obviously is, is kind of the place of work for me. So um, I'm more mobile now than before. Uh, and I know yeah, clients yeah. prefer that face-to-face -face meeting. Don't charge for a face-to-face -face meetings, uh, you know, yeah. so the initial consultation is always going to be free. So more than happy for, for clients to pop in and have a chat uh, or a cup of coffee as well. Okay, so you deal with residential Investors, buy to let, bridging, yeah. older borrowers, you, you do the whole thing. Development, finance, commercial. We haven't touched on commercial. Commercial, yeah. Big space. Yeah. Well, we can talk about that in the next chat then. We could. I guess that, that market's in a shift as well. So, okay. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Mitesh. Great. I really appreciate it. And I hope you know, you've got some good information for that. Put it in the comments and please like and share uh, so, so we can get this out to, to more people. Um, just, just to remind you, next. Wednesday, the coming Wednesday, I've got a webinar, free webinar on managing your money so that you can be learn to become financially free, whether it's through property or whatever. And that's at 8 p.m. next. And I'll put, I'll put some notes up about that as well next Wednesday. So thanks very much, Mitesh. And I'll, I'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions. 